0: I was a uh, practicing clinician working in a home health agency model. I wasn't allowed to dose my patients as per best practice guidelines. So I said, there's got to be a way to do this better. My, my grandmother and my
1: grandfather, I started seeing them going in and out of long-term care. It started personal seeing the sick side of 80, and now it's been exciting to be part of FOX. Light
0: bulb moment. Like, that's a complete game changer. You
1: can see what we can do as a practice and as treating clinicians to really make 80, 85 looks so much different than it did back that long
0: ago. And boil it down
1: into one saying. It's quite simply this. It's be stronger, live better longer.
0: Welcome to Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast. The podcast focused on clinicians who work with older adults. My name is Jim Shear and today my co-host is Fox Rehabilitation Occupational Therapist Megan Dering. Megan, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, welcome. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You can't see this in podcast world. We are wearing the same color today.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: We didn't love plan it, it. like we're blue. Yeah, we're we're already on the, the same wavelength here.
1: Off to a great start. <laughs> I love
0: it. <laughs> Megan, you come to us from uh, Illinois. Where about?
1: So I'm the Northeast 2, Illinois Northeast 2 region. Uh, right now I'm in Prospect Heights, Illinois. It is a brisk, I would say 30 <laughs> degrees outside. So extra jackets in here. And even in the office, I walk around with a sweatshirt on.
0: It's cold. It's cold. Some some regions, not so <laughs> cold because we do treat in Florida.
1: We don't have alligators. That's all I can say. <laughs> we might have snow, but no alligators.
0: And are you currently in a senior living community?
1: I am. I am in a senior okay. living community. I have a few house calls that I do, but primarily I'm in a senior living community.
0: Okay, because you're you're in a you're in a nice room. Yeah. And, and I want to respect your time. So you have blocked off enough time where we can properly have an episode of this podcast.
1: Yes, let's get after it.
0: You are on top of it and I love it.
1: (laughs) I'm booked and busy, ready for you.
0: (laughs) So today we are going to talk about the impact of COVID-19 on older adults, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. So when I think of COVID-19, I automatically think of the physical, but I don't necessarily think of the mental or emotional. It's almost like a vicious cycle because once the mental and emotional, once we forget about that, then it could turn into physical again.
1: Oh, you nailed it right on the head. One of the things that I go back to that I have a love-hate relationship I learned in school, it's called the PEO model. It's the person, environment, and occupation. And it's a model of care, and it emphasizes occupational performance, and it's shaped by interactions of the person, the environment, and the occupation. So I really wanted to take a look at those and then take into consideration the physical, the mental, and the emotional standpoints. So when you think of the person, you think of their roles, their self-concepts, their personalities, Mm -hmm. their health, their comorbidities. Then the environment, you know, you have the institutions like a senior living community. You have the social, even the socioeconomic and then that occupation. So it's the tasks you're engaging in to meet your expression or fulfillment in life. So taking all that into consideration, you throw a pandemic on top of it.
0: My goodness, I know.
1: (laughs) And then it's a really, really interesting topic.
0: So just like, take us through your footsteps. How have you dealt with COVID-19 in your profession?
1: Oh gosh, I try and make things fun and engaging. I think that's one of the biggest things that's really missing in a lot of older adults' lives. Cause I mean, that social participation is huge for mm-hmm. older adults, it's what they're leaning on for. Cause you know, when you think of kids, they, they are play-based, you know? So they're like, oh, we go outside, we have recess. For adults, it's, oh, I go have wine night or I go play bunko or bingo, whatever. And so with the pandemic, that social isolation piece is huge. It takes a huge toll on everyone. And so there's no fun. So I really like to engage my clients in fun activities, whether I know there was a recent podcast on cooking. So I've done that. I've brought in cooking. I'm like, we're baking a cake today. And here's all the tasks that it's going to accomplish for me. And guess what? You get cake at the end. Yes. You can't go wrong.
0: Now, I would imagine early on in the pandemic, Mm -hmm. you might have been the only, I mean, of course, people that work at the senior living community, but you might have been one of the only people that your patients saw. I know my grandmother, she couldn't have any guests for a long, long time.
1: Exactly. 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 There was no human connection. Another thing I used was music. That was a huge, huge part because a lot, especially for the people in the dementia care unit, it was their way to escape the four walls that they're stuck behind. Mm -hmm. So I had a client who was Irish and I'm Irish. And I would play Irish music and, oh, she would go back in time and tell me so many stories about her times as a little girl in Ireland. And, oh, I know this song because of this, which was so cool to make that kind of connection and just let someone, you know, escape the social isolation that is the pandemic.
0: Yeah, Um, I love that you said fun because fun is a huge part of it. If you're not having fun it affects your mental and emotional being. And if that's thrown off, then once again, it can throw off the physical.
1: Exactly. Totally.
0: So let's take it back to the beginning. We're talking about the impact of COVID-19 on older adults. I want to talk about the physical, mental, and emotional. So physical, older adults- you know, they're they're the most at risk for COVID-19.
1: Well, for older adults, obviously, reduced immune function just comes with the territory. Right. So be you know, with that, there's just existing health conditions that that are attributed to that advancing age. So things like high blood pressure, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, COPD, and even cancer. Um, it makes older adults obviously more susceptible to COVID-19, and they're classified as that. High risk group. Mm-hmm. So beyond that, it's that older adults they get sicker easier, and then they have a longer time to recover. We know that within our practice. That, no, I you know, I know
0: that as a person <laughs> in my mid forties. Exactly. If I get injured, it's going to take me a lot longer to recover than when I was eighteen or nineteen years old.
1: Exactly. So just that longevity of recovery impacts you know overall health and overall well being. So that's some of the big things physically, why? And then you add on into the pandemic, the inactivity. Mm -hmm. So by, you know, being forced into social isolation, you're not walking, you're not moving, you know, so that inactivity lays dormant and uh, causes other comorbidities to really begin to arise that weren't really even a problem before, like, you know, elevated blood pressure, BMI, things like that. Um, so just diet as well as health is really, really, really important.
0: So this is the, the physical impact of COVID-19. Megan, right. you sent me some articles. <laughs> yeah. Take me through these two terms, diabetes, distress, and glucose control.
1: Oh, this was a really cool article. So it was a study, and it was one of the first studies that examined COVID-19 and diabetes related results, like with psychological distress for adults with type two diabetes. So diabetes distress, it's an emotional state associated with the burden of self-care, a lack of support from family and healthcare providers, and feelings of failure in one's ability to manage diabetes. So it's distinct from depression just because it relates specifically to diabetes, like one specific diagnosis. But it's similar in a lot of ways to depression where it's that low self-efficacy and not being able to feel like you're in control of your disease because you don't have that, like I said, the environment, that support to hold you through throughout the course of your life. And so with glucose control, You know, normal fasting or blood glucose should really be at about 70 to 110. And that's for someone who has, let's say, type 2 diabetes. That is a huge number, a huge range. You're just trying to stay within. And what you really don't want with glucose control is really, really high spikes and then really, really low valleys. You know, you want to maintain as much as you can. So with that distress or with that stress coming on from the COVID-19 pandemic, it's really hard to manage and maintain that glucose control.
0: That is so wild. I would never put two and two together like that. But just having this pandemic could exacerbate that, Mm -hmm. something the outside world may never even think of. Exactly. So that's the the physical impact of COVID-19. Let's move on to the mental. The World Health Organization said the two biggest challenges Misinformation and fear. That was also sort of shocking to me. I'm like, okay, World Health Organization, it's going to be something medical. Misinformation and fear. Something I feel like we could easily control, right? Or we should be.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more.
0: And you said that um, understanding health info is really important for a patient, correct?
1: right absolutely we do that every day in our practice um you never underestimate the power of education that's why Fox really we pride ourselves on we have an ed- education tab in our notes we are educating if you're in there you're educating every session because not everything carries over every session especially with older adults and it was in one of the articles that the Canadian study it had said that yes 82 percent of older adults have insufficient health literacy. So That's a huge not, number. It's huge. I know.
0: Like it's 80 per, 82% of older adults have an insufficient health literacy.
1: Absolutely crazy.
0: Is it easy to educate an older adult? Are they receptive to it? How do you make them receptive to it?
1: Everyone's different. You know, it's it's just learning abilities. I don't think older adults are any Harder than regular adults, you tell. <laughs>
0: it just depends on
1: who you're talking to. But I think repetition is really key yep. because sometimes yep. there's, with every type of communication, there's your physical communication, then what's received, what's perceived. So, you know, it's not, it's doing it through multiple ways. So, not just saying it, but also having it written down, also having maybe a drawing or physically showing them. So that type of education to really promote that carryover. And with the pandemic, obviously, with that misinformation piece, most modems of information come through the news, the media. I'm not trying to get political, but that's one modem of information that it comes through. And, it, you know, it could go in one ear, out the other, in one ear, misunderstood, and then yes. out the other.
0: Well, let's go to emotional, because you talked about people watching the news or people reading feeds on social media. One of the best things you can do, according to the articles you sent me, there was a study. It said, turn off the news. (laughs) Yeah. Like, stay off of social media. That stuff is getting into your brain, and it's doing you no good.
1: They say social media is the new uh, bubonic plague of of our generation.
0: Because people aren't necessarily, yeah, they're not necessarily getting the correct information.
1: Right, absolutely.
0: The emotional impact, there are three things that are stressed. Stress, anxiety, and depression. Mm -hmm. That takes a toll on older adults. So what can we do to emotionally help out an older adult which is a trickle effect because then it will help them both in their mental and physical state. So
1: one of the things the article really talked about that I really loved was that there's two different types of coping. So when you're looking at stress, anxiety, and depression, there's problem-focused coping and there's emotion-focused coping. So with that problem-focused coping, it's eliminating the problem of stress. So For instance, when I'm anxious about a test or something, I might check in with the teacher, problem, solution, versus emotion-focused coping, which helps manage the emotions accompanied by stress or perception in an unavoidable circumstance. So that's this pandemic, you know, we're in an unavoidable circumstance. So It's being able to reshape the mindset, which for an older adult, I'm not gonna lie, that's pretty hard. You know, they've had sixty-five years of one mindset Mm -hmm. to then come in and say, Let's meditate. (laughs) They're like, get out. Right. (laughs) I'm done with you. (laughs) I don't want your hippy dippy stuff. Um, No, I
0: was I was thinking of that too because there's there's a list of coping strategies. And Megan, let me quickly reference the articles that you sent me, the ones that we have been loosely referencing during this conversation. Uh, One is from geriatric nursing, titled "Fear of Coronavirus and Health Literacy Levels of Older Adults During the COVID 19 Pandemic." Another one is from geriatric nursing, titled. Impact of Worries Associated with COVID-19 on Diabetes-Related Psychological Symptoms in Older Adults with Type 2 Diabetes. And then the third one is from the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health, titled, Consideration of the Psychological and Mental Health of the Elderly During COVID-19, A Theoretical Review. So those are the articles that we've been referencing, the articles that Megan sent me. But for the coping strategies, one is to take deep breaths Mm -hmm. and maybe participate in yoga. So there are a lot of older adults in my life. And if you said, hey, we're going to do yoga, they're like, the hell we are. So (laughs) what would be an alternative to yoga? Or how would you convince someone who wasn't into yoga to do something like yoga?
1: Yes. Yes. Sometimes, truthfully, I do it with music where I will say we're doing this to what's your favorite song? We're going to do this to the beat of this song. Deep breath in on this beat, deep breath out on that. And sometimes I find a slower song. But
0: but know, it's a, a song. It's like, a song they like, though, right? A song yes, that they know. Yes. There you go. That's the oh, familiarity. Yep.
1: Yes. That familiarity. Exactly. And so, yeah, doing things like that or we might even. Sometimes it's related to religion and prayer, which, you know, just depending upon what your religion is, they say that prayer is that time of meditation. So mm-hmm. it's kind of saying, OK, have, have you done that? OK, mm-hmm. then let's let's try that. There's billions upon billions of YouTube videos, too, where they have relaxing nature sounds and things like that, which you're like, hey, we can't go outside today. So we're going to bring outside indoors. And even that can help really reduce blood pressure and, you know, reduce like just stress in general, because we're holding these feelings so tightly that being able to take yourself out without being able to physically take yourself outside is huge.
0: You know, it's crazy. We're living in such complicated times, but these coping strategies bring it back to the basics. Mm -hmm. Exercise, sleep, maintain contact with family and friends encourage yourself. These are simple things, not always easy. So how do we get an older adult to exercise and sleep and contact their family members? Simple things, but not always easy to apply in real life.
1: I personally am a firm believer in the habits, um, routines and rituals. I am someone, get someone on a schedule. And you know, we are creatures of habit by nature. It is okay. Nine o'clock. And, you know, you kind of have to put it within range. If someone doesn't normally wake up at 9 a.m., I'm not going to get them up at nine, but just say, okay, nine o'clock from this time to this time, you're going to try and do this and just, you know, keep a regimented. And that's just to start out. Because you can always fall back, but to keep that routine, it really jumpstarts people into doing things. And then they realize they'll feel it. It's always happens. It's physically. And then it happens psychologically. Like, oh, this is starting to feel good. Okay. I want to keep doing this. You know, you set a goal. It's a perfect time for the new year. You can say, look, this, this week, our goal is going to be that you meditate for five minutes. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it after you brush your teeth. Cause you brush your teeth at 630 every morning. So, you know, kind of finding their routine, finding where these simple things can be put into their routine and going from there. It's huge.
0: My takeaway from this conversation, routine and repetition, the key. Yeah. Because I know just like just talking with older relatives in my life, we -hmm. think if we say it one time that that'll do the job. But you have to do it over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And not not just, not just with older adults, even with, you know, relatives my age or relatives younger than me.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. That's the the key to communication. You know, you just keep going until it sinks in.
0: I hope people can feel your energy listening to this podcast because you, you've got a ton of it
1: and I'm loving it.
0: I'm feeding off (laughs) of it right now.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm very passionate about it. I think it's a huge huge thing that's really overlooked because we're so focused on the physical of the COVID pandemic and understanding, oh, this is a high risk population. Well, why? and then okay we got that and then what about their mental emotional psychological and especially because this is the grouping of people that's in the social isolation the longest when you think about everyone else a lot of people even after getting the vaccine are going back out into the community and these people they're not doing that because you know there's just so many risks and it's weighing that risk reward
0: So, Megan, I appreciate what you're doing. Will you stick around for one more quick segment? Yeah. It'll only be a few minutes, so we're going to take a break. And when we come back on the Live Better Longer podcast, more with Megan (laughs) Derrick. Attention clinicians, specifically speech-language pathologists, occupational therapists, physical therapists, and exercise physiologists. We are looking for you to join our Fox Rehabilitation talent community. If you are interested, go to careers.foxrehab.org. If you join our talent community, you'll be the first to know about new job openings. You will build your professional network and you will stand out from other applicants. So if you would like to join now, our Fox Rehabilitation talent community, Go to careers.foxrehab.org. We are back on Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast. My name is Jim Shear, joined by Fox Rehabilitation occupational therapist, Megan Derig. So I want to talk about deep dish pizza. You treat in the Illinois area. I'm assuming deep dish pizza is a, a thing in your parts.
1: Oh, it's an art form.
0: So, comedian Jim Gaffigan recently posted a, an old routine on Twitter about deep dish pizza. He kind of dissed deep dish pizza. And I know I know some pizza aficionados who also diss it. They don't call it pizza, they call it a casserole. So, <laughs> are you a fan of Chicago-style deep dish pizza?
1: I am a Chicagoan born and bred. I I am truly a fan of deep dish pizza. And I know people have their qualms. They call it tomato soup in a bread bowl. <laughs> call it a casserole. Yeah, whatever. You know what? I've seen it. I've seen videos of even people from Italy and they're like, what is this? This is not pizza. Like, like why well, do people take pizza. such
0: exception with it?
1: I don't know. I, I love
0: I, deep dish pizza
1: it's a good time right it's all the good things extra bread cheese <laughs> the sauce you're getting a plethora of goodness
0: I think people get upset because they can't house a whole pizza like after you eat one or two slices you're done
1: but for, for some I mean I mean I mean I can't relate but sure we'll go with that <laughs> I could eat like literally six slices okay I, I could eat
0: so I could was. eat a bunch too I could at, <laughs> when I first started I could only eat two. But mm-hmm. then I could eventually take down like a small pizza. Oh, so yeah. I've been to Chicago a bunch. And every time I go to Chicago, I try a new deep dish pizza. What is your favorite? And I will tell you mine. And, and my answer almost feels a little bit cliche, but I've had like a bunch and it's still my favorite.
1: Okay, I'm going through. I've, I have all of them. Like I love all of them. So it's hard to pick one, but I know what you're talking about. You got, you got the Giordano's. You got Rosati's is a big one. Um, what's the other one? Luminatis. I think I like lose crust. Luminatis crust. The best.
0: We wore the same color today? Dress.
1: There we and go. And we like it's the winning. same crust.
0: It's the best crust.
1: It is. It is a good crust.
0: I knew I liked you for a reason, Megan. <laughs> so I'll, I'll get you out of here on this. You talked about playing music and listening to music with your older adult patients. What kind of music are you into? This could this could cinch it for us.
1: Wow. I may I, I may
0: have you on next week as a co-host.
1: Oh, I can't wait. Maybe <laughs> I can't wait. Do I get to ask the questions too? You, well,
0: so you, you, you can always creatively. ask questions. You can ask questions oh. today if you want.
1: Okay, okay. All right. Fair. Uh, well, get ready. I'm gonna get my notebook out. Um, <laughs> so let me think. I, I have a very eclectic taste pattern. I use eclectic um, the least sparingly way. I can go from country music all the way to EDM. When I tell you I am the extremes of everything. <laughs> so with my clients mostly though, we stick to the the classics. We'll do some we'll do some uh classical music. So we got the some opera, the Beethoven, Bach, you know, some of those. And then sometimes we'll go into folk music. I have one client who's really into folk music and I'm like, "Let's get after it." I have one who's traditionally Greek. So I've I've learned so much traditional Greek music and it's been so fun. <laughs> And I just ask, I'm like, what's your favorite song? I actually have a playlist that, and it's called, what's your favorite song? Wow. And they tell me their favorite song and I save it. That's because it's great. So, fun. so then I save, like, it's just like little memories you get to keep, you know, throughout.
0: That is such reading. a good musical education. I would try to do the same with my grandfather and he turned me on to the Will Bradley Orchestra. Music I would have never heard unless we were talking to each other and having these conversations. Absolutely. All right, so uh, Megan, you'll have to come back. So Thank you for the info. Good luck with the rest of your week. Thank uh, you. To anyone who is a patient of Megan Derrick, you are very lucky.
1: Oh, she's stop. she's
0: bringing joy and energy into your life. <laughs> All right. So Thank for you. you are very welcome. Thank you for doing this. So for Megan Derrick, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see yens. Later.